0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're up to, including all of our other podcasts, over at blisterreview.com. And once again, we are broadcasting this episode from our home here in the Gunnison Valley of Colorado. And now would be a good time to start planning a trip here to experience our wide open spaces and do some running or hiking or biking on our vast network of trails here in Gunnison and Crested Butte. Okay, well today you're going to get to hear me interview my off-the-couch co-host, Brendan Leonard, about his soon-to-be-released and excellent book called I Hate Running... And you can too. Except it's not exactly called that. But you know what? I'm just going to let Brendan kind of explain that one. Anyway, the book comes out on March 16th. And I will go on record here to say that if you are a fan of Brendan's work, then I guarantee that you are going to enjoy this book. One might even liken the book to, I don't know, like a piñata that contains a number of delicious candies. I mean, you could. You could liken it to that if if you were so inclined. And so today I'm going to be asking Brendan some questions about I hate running and you can too. And of course, we will be touching on a number of other topics too, because that's just kind of how we operate around here. So that is what we have on tap for you today. And so let's get to it. Well, Brendan Leonard, my co-host on Off the Couch and Today's guest, look at you wearing multiple hats. <laughs> I think I think I can handle it. We'll see. I <laughs> see how it goes. I think you can too. Well, we are very happy here to be talking about this new book of yours. I think the first thing I want to say genuinely and I already told you this, I sent this to you I think in a text. I think this book has the best table of contents that I've ever seen in my life. That's flattering.
1: That's nice of you to say, but <laughs> I Feel like you maybe just need to read more books or, or look at more books i don't know is that um, right no it's i they the whole book was supposed to be a combination of short pieces about running and then lots of the drawings that i do and i started out with the table of contents making it look like a marathon map so basically i just traced the new york city marathon map and drew that in and we had it in there for a while i don't know that anybody would actually recognize it because it's just a this weird line um no buildings or no no actual map of new york um but then we ended up kind of going you know this should actually fill out the page more let's move this up and move this down so it's it's sort of sort of the new york city marathon map um a little bit of it but i kind of changed the whole thing around so it is but it has it's basically it looks like a half marathon map because there's 13 chapters so between the start and finish so there's number one two three through through 13 so it was fun it's fun to try to do those sorts of things with (laughs) with something like a table of contents you know um but the book is not long enough to be like i don't know that anybody's gonna look at these chapter titles and go i'm just gonna read chapter seven you know
0: (laughs) you Um, if you're gonna bother to read it you you might as well just read the whole thing
1: yeah because i mean i think there's only about twelve thousand words in here so that's like couple New Yorker, maybe like a New Yorker magazine article, you know, is longer mm. than that. So mm. um, it's pretty quick, pretty quick read if you rip through the whole thing. But hopefully, hopefully people take a little bit more time with it than that.
0: I think it's a book that rewards taking taking one's time. And uh, it's definitely a book that I think lends itself to like reading a chapter, thinking about it for a while maybe reading the next chapter the next day, coming back and rereading a certain chapter. Um, This is a really fun book, which we are going to be talking about here today. And so I guess we should say the book itself is called I Hate Running and You Can Too. And I think for people who have been kind of following your work for a while, you know, they can kind of nod and maybe have a bit of a sense and probably smile a little bit about this title but i thought that maybe we should just get started by asking you specifically like did you envision a, a very specific audience for this book like did you kind of have that mystical or mythical ideal reader uh, i think
1: yeah like basically i was just interested i wanted people who were interested in running Distances, like long, quote unquote, long distances, whether an in interested could mean they've been doing it for 30 years and they just like to read about things like that, or they've been, you know, haven't done it since like high school and um, are like, maybe I could try to run a 5K. So I wanted to sort of capture basically a different take on running. Um, and the original subtitle was A Rational Guide to Irrational Distances. And they thought that was a little too obscure, which is probably <laughs> correct. Um, so in, in my argument in the book in the, I think it's in the introduction, I talk about the idea of running more than like a couple hundred feet is pretty ridiculous on an evolutionary scale at this point. And humanity. like, you know, why would you run? You know, what's the point? You don't need to. Um, so it, it's saying in this, you know, long distance, you know, when you read this book, it should reach all of these people. If long distance to you is a hundred miles and this should make sense to you. If it's, if it's two miles, this should make sense to you too. And, um, I just have spent a lot of time thinking about how we think about running and how we approach it and why people might hate it and why people might love it. And why I sort of have a mixture of both when I go out and, um, the, the title is I hate running and you can too, but the, on the cover, inside of the book the a is a heart when it's you know the, the a and hate is a heart so there's a sort of a love hate idea that mm-hmm. doesn't translate to like anything like nobody's typing a heart you know like you can't type the heart into amazon or, or a bookstore and be like you know so everyone's gonna call it i hate running which is fine um it's a joke i don't really hate it i hate <laughs> it i hate it a lot of the time but not not all the time so obviously i keep doing it so yeah that, that's who it is
0: wait I'm not sure that that you kind of you wrapped up talking like you you brought your sentences to a conclusion I guess I guess that was an answer I guess we'll count that
1: it's for everybody interested in running and, and why we do it even though we don't need to I guess that that's probably my answer I'm thinking about this now I should have thought about this months ago you know who is the, <laughs> who is the target market for this book I'm like geez I don't know people Anybody who, th- who gets sucked in by the cover, I guess.
0: When I guess that is an interesting thing as somebody who, you know, writes quite a few books, I guess I've never asked you this. Do you tend to think of that target audience before you start something? Or are you the person who you find yourself just thinking about a certain topics or cluster of topics, and then you just start kind of producing something and let sort of the audience sort itself out after the fact?
1: Boy, yeah. I mean, I think with this one, that's probably that's probably the book that I've most thought about that. You know, who's who's going to read this? Like, who's, whose life are you hopefully going to improve a little bit by, by putting this out there for them? Um, a lot of times things just exist out there because they're a good gift book, you know, and I've written those books and that's great, you know. Um, but it's like a collection of information that will be be fun for someone to give someone else. I need to corroborate the statistic I heard one time, but it was something like it was an overwhelming majority of books are purchased for gifts for people, huh? which, which maybe means they're not even being read, but, uh, but yeah, huh. I don't know. I think about, yeah, I thought about that a lot with this and like, I just uh, like it's counterintuitive, but I actually wanted to put it out there so people will be more likely to run um, You know, I think a lot of people have bad memories of running or like from gym class or track or like maybe we have body image issues and that's why we don't do it or we don't feel like we're fast enough. And I think my experience in the like ra- ra- running races and ultra marathons is like there's so many people who just don't give a shit that we're just out there doing it. And like when you show up at a lot of these races, you realize that that like, Oh, it's not at all like the Olympics, you know, not everyone here is a super athlete, you know? Um, and in, in ultra marathon specifically, you look around and you're like, wow, some of these people are going to finish. And like, if you think about that and, and then these people are like finishing hours ahead of you and you're like, well, check yourself there, buddy. You know, you don't know, don't, don't judge anybody by their co- by a book by its cover. You know, like it's, it's a really fun way to look at the sport where you realize like that's a runner. These people are runners. This is, you know, all these people you don't, you may not think if you saw them on the street are runners, they're runners and they're doing it and they're, they're going out for hours and hours at a time to do this thing. And not everyone looks like the, the super fit people we see when we watch the Boston marathon or or the Olympics or whatever. So I want more people to think that they can do it, I guess. That's what I'm saying in a roundabout way.
0: Yeah. And I, I think the book is really, really effective at that. And it was funny because I, you know, before I sat down to read it, I I confess that I was like, okay, listen, I talk to Brendan all the time. I've, you know, been following your work for a long time. Is this book going to kind of feel to me a bit like, yeah, yeah, I kind of already know all this. I kind of got all this from Brendan before in other places. And I have to confess, like it was really kind of fun and delightful how it was all laid out. And like, really, the chapters are really poignant because, I mean, here's the other thing, right? When you've said really well, like, I hope this book is a bit of an encouragement to help people, you know, go ahead and get out there. But the fact is, the book really translates well into helping somebody start anything, like at all. Ah, oh, that
1: I think that's um, sort of what I was hoping. I think in the middle, like of writing it, I was going, I could do something exactly like this called I Hate Work. And it would be like... Uh-huh almost the exact same thing you know because i feel like there's so many parallels to just run you know running three miles or five miles or 10 miles like it's the same thing as digging a hole you know it's like you just got to do it and you get done and you're like okay i did it i feel better but it's like it's about that romantic a lot of the time you know um you're not like it's not like the the rocky training montages you know It's not like glorious with like theme music and you look great and graceful. It's like, it's a lot of, it's a lot like work. So part of it maybe is de-romanticizing it a little bit um, in order to make it a thing that we all think we can do, I guess. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And since you were talking about the rejected subtitle of your book, in a way you could have also titled this book, like how to start anything. huh? Jeez,
1: yeah that maybe maybe that is the secondary market is um yeah like corporate speaking about um this this exact all these principles that that work the same who knows i don't know um but yeah i guess how to how to start anything it is really like i i feel like i beat a dead horse with this all the time but it's just like persistence is pretty much the only thing i know what know how to do, you know, like fail so many times, but build failures together into what looks like a victory or success in some way. So I just feel like that's, that's such a typical human story that we, that we pay attention to. And, um, it doesn't work for TV, you know, like it doesn't, it's not like, uh, you know, the, the, the TV shows like the voice or American idol or whatever, like those are the you don't see all the grinding people do to, to like, you just think they just walked in one day and they're like, oh yeah, that person's so talented. They just sang for that those judges once, now they got a record deal. And you're like, no, 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 no. Like we didn't show all the time they spent practicing and, and trying things and failing. And, you know, it's not, not a reality. So I guess I believe in persistence, I guess, and determination more than anything,
0: so. Well, yeah, but it's funny when you talk about persistence, to me this book actually kind of precedes persistence. Hmm. It's it's literally the like how do you go from 0 to 1? And oh. all of the fear that we have or excuses we have or mm-hmm. you know like and I mean that that is an absolutely universal feeling, I think. So I completely agree with you about like how key persistence is. To me this book is before you even get to the hey keep in mind everybody you got to stay on the grind it's kind of giving that permission or breaking down for people how to go from i've never done this thing or i think mm-hmm. i'm not worthy to call myself an artist or a runner or mm-hmm. you know or a writer or any anything like that it was striking me so much from that point of view that i permission to try Permission like, which, to try, which is so hard to grant ourselves. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people.
1: I noticed this in like in my in my writing courses that I teach too. It's like I don't think people a lot of times think that it's like they can just be like, I'm a writer. I'm I'm going to try writing. You know, it's yeah. like you know they think there's there's some sort of test you have to pass or something like that, or you have to have a certain number of readers or whatever. Um, and you know, it, it's. Same thing with running and writing. It's the same thing. It's just like, yeah, just go try, you know. And and people, I think we think we have to have some sort of, yeah, like permission or whatever. I talked to this. I did a talk um, last January about, it was sort of about running, but it was for a corporate thing. And afterwards, a lady came up to me and uh, she was like, I forget how how we got into the discussion, but she said, you know, I. I was always scared to run because my husband was like, basically, talk shit about people. Um, you know, like she was like, Oh, my friend ran the such and such marathon. And he'd say, What was her time? And she'd say, Whatever the time was. And he was like, That's not very fast. You know, and I said, does he run marathons? Has he ever run a marathon? She goes, Oh no. And I'm like, (laughs) who the fuck is this guy? Like, why do, why do we care what he thinks? Like he doesn't know shit, you know? Like, and here's this guy, like this person, you know, had completed a marathon, which is just this amazing thing that like the first one, the first marathon ever run killed the guy, right? Like, so, you know anybody who finishes these days like that's impressive i think you know we're like we're not dying he ran 26.2 yeah. miles without dying and and this guy is just like going to shit on him cuz they weren't cuz i don't know they didn't qualify for boston or whatever and i think it's just so ridiculous that you know it's a typical typical sort of internet type comment internet comment type of point of view you know like yeah what this isn't a big deal you know and you're like okay well, what would you do today you know um uh, so I think, I think we're scared of it for a lot of different reasons. Like, you know, the ideas that we have about failure and what is failure even, you know, like if, and you know, what do I, you know, there's all these, there's all these obstacles that people we throw up for ourselves and it's pretty easy to talk yourself out of almost everything um, that that's uncomfortable in a certain way. So um, it's, yeah, I hope to, I hope to remove some of those ideas, I guess.
0: I like that. Now you have talked a bit on this podcast about how you yourself got into running and uh, you know as I recall it had to do with uh, it was sort of an an attempt or effort to quit smoking which oh, I yeah. still love and find that funny for some reason. <laughs> Me and Billy Yang dude. Yep, yep. you and <laughs> you and Billy so what role did any running books play in your own kind of interest in or kind of a uh, movement into starting this running thing? Like when did, when did books, I mean, you're a reader and a writer. So when did books, if, if at all start to kind of factor into your exploration of this new uh, activity?
1: Huh. That's funny. I'm like, I wrote the introduction. It was sort of like a really abbreviated history of my life and running. And then I just skipped over. I don't have that part in here, which is interesting. Um, but, but yeah, I ran a marathon in 2006 to quit smoking, um, to like make myself stop smoking cigarettes, um, which, uh, had been going on for like six years at that point. And then, and then I totally did not run at all for like four years. And I was on a cross country bike trip with my buddy, Tony. And, he was he was reading hardcover books, I think, on the bike trip, you know, where you're trying to like not carry much stuff because you're pedaling, you know, 60 to 80 miles a day or whatever. And I remember he threw Born to Run in my, in my stuff. He's like, do you want to read this? You know, it was like we had been on the road for a month, you know, riding eight hours a day. And I was like, sure, whatever, you know. And I wasn't concerned about weight because I was carrying like a camera and like a little laptop and all this other stuff. And my bike was a steel bike. And I read this hard hardcover book, Born to Run. Um, and there was something, and I think this happened to a lot of people, um, there was something in the way Christopher McDougall told the stories in that book that made it seem like this really cool thing. You know, like ultra running was this really interesting thing. And not only that, we probably, you know, he was getting injured a lot. So that's that's what led him into writing the book. And I just didn't like running, but... I remember thinking I remember reading basically you need to sort of change the way you run like your stride and I remember I took I went gosh I finished this bike tour so I was in one sort of fit shape you know I was really fit I could ride you know like we rode a century with a fully loaded bike with a trailer on it like a couple like a day you know we were riding 80 miles a day with these big, with these heavy bikes and just crushing and eating six to 8,000 calories a day. So when I got off the bike, it was like, okay, I guess I'm my metabolism is totally screwed. And I think I was, I went to stay with my parents for just like a week before I went back to work. And I think I went out and ran like five or 10 miles just in like whatever running shoes I had. And it was like, Oh, okay. I didn't die. That seems okay. And, uh, I remember consciously trying to change my stride. So I wasn't like landing on my heels. And the first few runs I did, I remember my girlfriend at the time was like, I can't run this slow with you. I got to, and we'd like run around the park and she'd be like, I'll see you later. It just took off and was like, (laughs) okay, I'm working on this. So just so you know, and uh, you know, from there I didn't do, I didn't do that much, uh, you know, trail running or I would do a little bit of trail running, like some, mostly I was mostly hiking and climbing at the time. And, um, so I hardly did any trail running until like 2015 or 16. Um, and I'd had this, had this conversation with Kelly Cortis, who's one of the most interesting people in, in the world. And he had talked about the idea of being the, the conversation was about being hardcore. And he had basically said to me, Oh, mountain climbing, like the situations that he had been in, he was like, You just gotta keep going or you're gonna die. He's like, You know what's way more hardcore than that? Ultra running. You don't have to keep going. You can just sit down at an aid station and be like, I'm done. This is stupid. I'll take a ride back and, yes, please, I'll have a beer and a bag of chips and sit by the fire instead of (laughs) finishing the race for another 40 miles. And he's like, to keep going when you have that option is really hardcore. And I think that stuck in my head for several years and and got me into that's what got me into ultra running was that idea, thinking about how hard it is to keep going when you just don't, you literally don't have to. Um, Because I've been in those, I hadn't been quite in the crazy situations he had been in where you're like going, 24 hours without water and like, but you know, you've had, I've had long days in the mountains where it was just like, God, I just want to sit down and cry, you know? And of course your only motivation then is just to not get rescued and be in the newspaper or the the news (laughs) for being that idiot who like, again, they went out and they just got tired and couldn't go on anymore. So I'd had a little bit of that and, but ultra running was interesting to me because of that, I think. But yeah, the born born to run was definitely, I think it was huge for a lot of people. I think yeah. It had like two it had two um it caused two things in my memory and it was one a lot of people started running and two a lot of people started buying um Vibram five fingers to yeah. run in. And one of those hopefully people are still running. I don't think five fingers are totally um I think there was a massive wave of people buying them and I don't I don't know that that uh I don't know that that's sustained for them, um, but but hopefully people are still still running. What I took away with it was from it was not that I needed to buy minimal shoes to run in or like run barefoot, but it was more like yeah. okay, I get this. You need to you need to run differently. That's that's why that's why people get injured and yeah. So that that kind of started it like slow burning fuse, I guess.
0: It is so interesting, just kind of the the legacy of Born to Run. I think um, it is mm-hmm. such a phenomenal work of of just making running so compelling and yet i think it is a part of its legacy that there is also kind of this weird thing going on also which is this strong evangelical nature or defense of the kind of minimalist movement and so from like a from a gear review point of view, I don't know that. Um, and and this is somebody who, by the way, I'm I'm sympathetic with more minimalist stuff. I'm I'm not personally interested in like running barefoot, but I think from a gear reviewer point of view, the book doesn't maybe hold up that well because it maybe doesn't acknowledge that you know certain shoes might just simply work better for certain types of runners, but. I don't know. I I sure have not met. I've sure not come across many people in my life where they didn't feel like that book was just an absolutely compelling read and kind of offered a compelling vision of like why running is amazing.
1: Yeah. I feel like I've had a couple conversations with people over the years who were handed that book by someone who uh, was like, you know, I I feel like I don't remember who this was, but they were a runner and they were like, Said, oh yeah, my uh, my dad read that book and was like, you got to read this. And, and I, I said, does your dad run? Like, no, he he's not interested at all. My dad yeah. golf's. He's like, you love the book though, so it tapped into something. It was like that, uh, you know. It's like it's like all of us who probably read Into Thin Air, but have no real maybe interest yeah. in climbing at Mount Everest, um, but find it interesting in some in some way. And I mean, it's just the strength of the writing and the storytelling that makes you. you stick with it but yeah i think it reached a lot of people in that way too which was which was interesting so i mean that book i don't know that i hope i hope christopher mcdougall got you know i hope he has a nice house because of that book and i think he probably does because it sold sold a shit ton of books and yeah made a couple people really famous i don't know if um i don't know if scott jurek you know, would have, I know he was famous in the running world, but I think he got a certain level of fame outside the running world. Uh, the people who would normally have paid attention to, to some of those more, some of those races that he did. Um, and the races themselves blew up, you know, like Leadville, um, things like that, that, yeah. that probably wouldn't have happened if, um, if it wouldn't, wasn't for that book. So,
0: yeah. yeah. I always was under the impression that Scott got famous, because of his appearance on "Off the Couch," did I? Oh, yeah. that? <laughs> no, that was that was like uh, fifteen years later. Dude. Oh, but, uh, but yeah, oh. No. <laughs> okay, okay. Thanks for correcting the record. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I'm curious how you would talk about how maybe this book of yours is different from. I'm going to put it as broadly as possible. Other running books. I feel like we've touched on this a little bit, but does anything kind of jump out for you um, beyond what we've kind of already said earlier in this conversation?
1: Yeah, I think so. Because I like I bought a ton of books to and read read a ton of books to kind of figure out where this where to take this. I guess after while well, I was trying to think of the idea. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of memoirs by people who are famous for being fast and, or famous for, um, yeah, famous for being fast and successful runners. Um, and those are great, um, you know, for a couple of reasons, you know, where you're, there's just something inspiring about really high level athletes and their focus and determination and stuff like that. And then also being, getting to be in their head during, during things like, Olympics and ultra marathons and stuff like that. And then there's also books that are really good at, um, how to stuff, you know, like I, one of my favorite books that I put in the, in the back is uh, relentless forward progress by, mm-hmm. by Brian Powell. Um, who's founder of I run far. And yeah. that was the book that I read when I, when I was like, I'm going to pick up something to try to figure out how to run ultra marathons. And I like to read books. So here's what I'm going to do. And, um, And I think he self-published that, but it's, it's fantastic. It's just like, number one tells you things about, you know, just the specifics of what you need to do. People probably find this information on, on the internet, um, in, in blog posts or YouTube videos or whatever. Um, but how to prepare for these things and then just like the mental parts behind it. And also just kind of makes you feel better about what you're doing. Like, okay, this is normal. Um, people have survived this and here's, here's a training program, you know, here's some mileage. I think I stuck with that training program, getting ready for, you know, it's like a plan for a 50 K and then a plan for a 50 mile and then a plan for a hundred mile. And I think I loosely followed those to progress my way through those races. Um, so there's a couple different like kinds of books, you know, it's like a memoir and then there's sort of the how to, and I didn't, I wanted to make, make mine sort of like an accessory to those where like, yeah, sure. You're going to need that how to information where people are going to let you know what, what kind of shoes you want and how much you should run every week and how you should, how much you should increase your running every week. And I just wanted to be like, now nah, you can do this. Like, you don't have to look like the guy on the cover of that book who's running shirtless and totally ripped, you know, or the, or the lady who's execs, you know, running fast and has like 4% body fat and you don't have to do that. So here, here's this book and, uh, and sort of have some fun with it. So I guess that, I I don't know. I think there was a spot in the market, I guess, where it could slide in hopefully.
0: Yeah. And I think if some of the books you're mentioning, they're kind of, those are kind of how to books. Once you have sort of committed to the activity and again yours is kind of a how-to book to go from zero to starting to wade into the well to continue this metaphor to wade into the pool of the activity
1: yeah that's not even uh,
0: english anymore or (laughs) conceptual conceptually coherent but anyway i'm sticking with it how to talk yourself into it i guess or yeah how to
1: how to go from zero to try
0: you sure. going to try there you go. yeah, by the way, that was one of my favorite things in the book. Just you know, there's just some nuggets of wisdom sprinkled through this book, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. and <laughs> saying, oh, yeah there's there's quotes from smart
1: people that's that's what you're saying. Well,
0: there are those, there are those oh, okay. but but I think this one is I think this one is your own. so please correct me if I'm wrong, but you says quote, "Nobody ever says a grizzly bear has a runner's body." Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, Yeah. that's a fair point, Brendan. That's one of my most proud
1: illustrations in this book. And I was, you know, how many animals are faster than Usain Bolt? It's like, it's crazy, you know? And yeah, like the top speed of like an elk. I'm pretty sure an elk is faster or moose. But, you know, it's like, you don't think of those things. You think it's like a thing looks like a cow. How could it be faster than like the fastest human being ever? And like, yeah, a grizzly bear would f- fucking destroy Usain Bolt if, if you get it to run a straight line, you know, but like it would definitely catch him, you know? Um, and this person is like the fastest human being of all time, you know? And, yeah. So it's, I don't know. It's like, but I think. That's. I just wanted to slightly address that like body image issue. Like, I guarantee you, like ninety nine percent of people who run are just out in the park going. God, I probably look like shit. You know, like, or I mean, that's how I feel. And like, gosh, I take my shirt off. It's so hot. I'm like, nah. You know, I don't want to subject people to that. And then finally, <laughs> you're just like, fuck it. You know. Um, and I don't know. I just think. I just think we have all sorts. Of, there's all sorts of reasons to have hangups about that. And I'm like yeah, what's a funny animal that would, you wouldn't think of that would, that would have a runner's body, quote unquote. And hmm. it's like, we think of gazelles and you know, like, no, a grizzly bear, grizzly bear, fuck you up, man. You know? Hmm. So um, <laughs> did the, putting the two silhouettes next to each other, I thought was really, was like super funny to me. Like looking at it, just like, yeah, that's great. A bear. Cause they look, they're so funny when they stand up. They're just like this blob and of like loose flesh and fur and and then like the thing would just, just goes like, what is it? 30, 35 miles an hour or something like that. It's insane. Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: Like I said, I mean, this book is super fun. Like I just wrote the word delightful, like as I was just (laughs) making some notes and it is, but I'm, I really believe. And so the audience can go check this book out for themselves and then correct me if they think I'm wrong. I really think, though, that while this is a book that really is kind of like how to get started, I think it's going to be a book that a lot of what we might call like hardcore or committed runners or really experienced runners, really passionate runners, people that you don't need to impress upon them. Like, no, we get it. We're good. Like, we like this running thing. This is our world. It's what we do. I still think they're going to really enjoy this, too. So my question is, why is that?
1: Uh, One, I really hope so. Um, But two, I think like your job as a writer is to try to think about things and put them into words that people like capture that feeling so people can say, ah, yeah, I feel like that too. Or I've thought that too. I've just never quite found the words to say it or like you know to put it down on paper and I think the best writing does that that's why that's why you catch yourself like oh I gotta underline this or highlight this in a book or this thing that you read you're like that is so true about my life too you know and probably some of the most successful quotes you know ever used are, are these things that are true for just thousands and thousands of people and, and you know you, you're trying like that's what I'm was trying to do is land on some universal things here. Um, and with through like, um, some, like a lot of my writing and the drawings, but also some quotes in, in, um, that I, that I grabbed from books that I was reading or, um, you know, off the internet or whatever, um, things that I found, um, because it, it had already been put in such a great way, that, that like why why rephrase it you know
0: hmm.
1: one of the one of the charts in here one of the books in here that i quoted i think a couple times is this one called running like a girl notes on learning to run and it's hmm. this book by this british author alexandra hemmensley and this is one of the funniest books i've ever read um and i was like i'm like i'm reading this because i'm gonna research for my book but i was like i uh you know, I'm not the target market for this. Cause she talks about <laughs> like, what kind of gear do women need to run? I'm like, okay, this is fun, but it's so funny, you know? And, um, some of the things that she said were so good that I was like, I'm, I had a list of like six quotes from her book that I was like going to use. And, you know, you can't, you can't actually, you can't just put six quotes from somebody's book in a, <laughs> in your book. So I think there's two in here, um, but they were, it was just, she just nailed it. And it was, all it was, was this lady starting from zero, um, never, I don't think she'd run much before at all and training for, I think the London, I think it was the London marathon when she lived in London and uh fantastic memoir, like hilarious book. And, and also just really like you're cheering for her at the end and you know, it's, it's great. Um, so and another, another one, I mean, there's a quote from Oprah in here, Murakami, like I'm Bernie Mac. Yes. Bernie Mac, Cardi B. There's a quote Cardi from B. Cardi B. I was pretty, I pretty proud of that one too. Um, cause it's actually just like a rephrasing of a Japanese proverb that's above it. Um, which I <laughs> yeah. thought that was so fun. I'm like, yep, she's on, she's just so on point with what was going on however many hundreds of years ago. But there's like a Courtney to Walter quote in here that I turned into basically used to turn into a chart about yeah. how, how you're doing and how, how to give yourself positive self-talk. Um, yeah, there it is. Yeah. So yeah, that's just like you're trying to capture that universal thing and, or hopefully it's not universal for everyone, but universal for enough people that it, that it makes sense. And people are like, yes, I'm glad I read this book. It captures you know, this one sentence is, is worth it for me. Um, because I've yeah. always thought that, but never, never been able to say it or, or figure it out. So how to put it into
0: words. So hopefully, hopefully it does that, I guess. I think it definitely does. And and it's funny, you and I were talking a little while ago about, I don't know, I, because I brought this up to you sort of this question, it's almost like I lost track or lost sight of the answer maybe, you know, and and like what what do these books do? What does reading something like this do for us? And I I mentioned to you, you know, in our recent conversation with Mike Foote, you know, Mike was saying that he's currently like reading a ton of stuff and really trying to see where he might be able to grab something from a book that might really help him just sharpen his mental performance a bit. And, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It's funny. I've been thinking about that since, since we had that conversation with Mike, this question of like, what, what do we expect books to do for us or to us? And is it just a kind of miracle when there is that, that spark, that connection? Is that what makes one writer better than another one? Their ability to create that? spark or that connection to, to serve as a catalyst. I don't know. I don't know if you have <laughs> anything smart to say about this. I hope you do. That'd be awesome. But this is just something that I kind of found myself. And like when you just said, like I, I just hope people, that one line, if they grab one line that kind of resonates with them, it'll like be worth it. What are your yeah. thoughts on this? I guess I'm asking you some deep question about, like, I don't know, how books work or the nature of authorship. How do books work? A podcast with Jonathan and Brendan. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, I think what I was saying earlier is that books books will change your life in one of two ways. A really huge way where you make a sharp left turn and and do things differently or like a very small way and you know hopefully hopefully you have both in your life and hopefully not every book you read makes you take a sharp left turn because your life would be sort of a disaster yeah Um, especially if you read a lot of books i mean then you're just fucked you're like people are like that guy, like, he doesn't know what he's doing. Every time I talk to him, right, it's something, something different, you know. Um, so I, I actually had that chat with um, my editor of this book, Judy, early on. I think we were still, we we're definitely still working on it, but she was like in the early on in the pandemic, and she was like, "God, it's really hard to feel like we're doing any sort of essential work here, you know, with like making books, you know, compared to what's going on in the world." And I was like, Phew, "Boy, I think I think all books are essential, you know, at some point, like." It probably hasn't. I wonder if there's been one one written that hasn't, you know, a book that's ever been published that hasn't been read by one person who it resonated with. You know, it's like like did everybody just stop reading this because it was terrible after for 20 pages? I just don't know if that that exists, you know, so the other thing is like more pertinent to what we were talking about before about capturing that that phrase or that sentence that that, you know people believe is true that they haven't thought of before is through that david foster wallace quote about books exist to make you feel less alone um and i think that's a that's a huge thing in our society right now just people people feel lonely um because of a, a number of reasons you know including the pandemic but like to find a piece of yourself in a page of a book is this thing that's like okay, I'm not, I am not alone in thinking this. I am okay in some way, in a small way. Um, and that goes for like, you know, rehab memoirs and like, you know, things that are about awful subjects that we maybe don't want to talk about with people or maybe only want to talk about with our therapist or, or whatever. Um, to like just these small bits of the ways people capture the world. And when you underline it and keep it with you, it's like, it's like such a cool thing, you know? And, um, I don't know what the, what the term should be for those little truisms we find, but yeah, you have like, that's why you're right. Right. Like you're like, ah, oh, I put down written, I've written hundreds of thousands of words now and occasionally a sentence works for somebody. And that's like basically how, why you do it. Cause at this point I'm, I'm not getting rich. Um, but if enough people buy this book that we're talking about, maybe yeah. I will get rich. No, that's I'm joking. That's right. a, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, you, you want people to, you want to help people live a sort of better life in a way, maybe, maybe just a very tiny, tiny bit of that life is better. Maybe it's just the hour that they're reading this book is better a little place. but, or maybe they change their life and they start running and, um, you know, it, it transforms them completely into a, a very happy person or brings meaning to their life or whatever. Um, but but yeah, I don't know, man. I just keep just keep swinging at the piñata. Hopefully, hopefully hit, <laughs> hit it and knock some candy out of that thing at some point. So.
0: <laughs> keep swinging at the piñata. I have that, of of I, all of our conversations about sort of work and writing and the rest. I've I've never heard you bring that one out. I, I like that. I, I like just that. wrote it
1: in my blog this week. It was like the idea of finding a voice. It was like. I don't know what I'm doing. People are like, you like, we act like it's this search, you know, where you, where you like, you finally just find it. And you're like, oh yeah, it was behind the tree over here. After seven years of writing, I found it, you know? And it's like, I'm like, that's not how it works for me, man. I like every week I'm like out there with the blindfold, <laughs> just swinging, going like, and sometimes you hit it. Sometimes it's like, oh, I totally missed. Um, not really sure what happened there. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I would have to say, I mean, I think that our listeners would agree if they've been following your work for a while, I would say that I think you do have a pretty good knack for finding kind of those truisms that we all kind of instantly recognize and probably kind of wonder like, why haven't I thought of it or said it quite like that before? So I think your hit rate on the pinata is, is fairly high in this regard with well, the swing rate, the swing rate is very high
1: so the it's maybe not uh, <laughs> like it's not like you're batting a thousand it's like you're batting 150 you know but uh uh-huh. if you swing a lot you'll get a, you'll get some hits uh, but if you if you don't leave the bench or if you never swing at anything you're always going to get walked uh, to continue the base the baseball right. slash pinata metaphor uh, but but yeah i swing a lot so hopefully hopefully some of this stuff lands but yeah <laughs> occasionally occasionally you hear from you know somebody will comment or something like that like get out of my head or um i could have written this or whatever and that's what they mean i think is like yeah. oh i think this all the time like you know and sometimes it's just like something stupid it's like i eat toast over the sink too you know or like mm-hmm. whatever um these ridiculous little things about life but yeah hopefully hopefully some of these things i figured out about running for myself are true for other people too um, I don't know why why are we out there anyway it's like you're just trying to trick yourself into some sort of exercise and tell yourself you enjoy it you know so this is what works for me maybe it'll work for you too but maybe not maybe you should do pilates Uh, but i don't know running is running i think is cheaper actually so
0: that this um, could also be a possible subtitle i hate running (laughs) and that's why maybe you should try pilates (laughs) I hate running and you can too. You
1: can also hate Pilates. You can hate you know, you can hate a stairmaster. You can hate going to the gym. Like all this stuff sucks. It's way it's way worse than sitting on the couch eating a pizza.
0: But oh man. So I think also when we ha- were having the conversation with Mike Foote, I think that was the conversation where somehow we got talking about like audiobooks. And I think I said like I really want to read an audiobook someday. And I've said you should write a book and then like I would read it. You read your audiobook. I don't think you love that idea. But given that you just wrote a book, I thought maybe I could ask you to read a little bit, just a passage from the book that you happen to like, and then this would be kind of like a little mini audiobook. You see what I did there? I'm mixing genres of podcasting and audio booking.
1: Yes. No, that's <laughs> yeah, this is this is <laughs> it's transcendent it's visionary it's it's disruptive yeah it's amazing um yeah i'll um it's funny i don't think this is ever going to become an audiobook because of all the charts in it like there would be so and drawings it'd be like and then here's a drawing of a bear and usain bolt and it's kind of funny you know like how would you i don't know how you would make that into an audiobook but yeah i'll do so chapter 13 is called loving something is different than liking it. That's it's the, it's the last chapter of the book. Um, and yeah, I'm going to just read a few paragraphs here. When I do speaking engagements about the parallels between work and ultra running, I often ask the audience to raise their hands if they have children. Okay. I say, keep your hand in the air. If you love your kids, everyone's hand stays up. Okay. Then I say, keep your hand in the air. If you like your kids a hundred percent of the time, Almost all the hands go down and people laugh. I look at the people with their hands still raised and tell them that we all know they are lying. I I say it in different words than that, but Uh (laughs) we probably all realize that loving someone doesn't doesn't necessarily mean you like them all the time. Even the most doting parents aren't smitten with their kids every moment of their entire lives, but that's okay. Loving someone or something is not the same thing as liking it. You can love your job without liking the Wednesday afternoon staff meetings or the Friday report you write up and send every week, even though you're pretty sure your boss never reads it. You love your kids, even though they do things that frustrate you from time to time or occasionally cause permanent and somewhat costly damage to your property. Right, mom? And then it goes into there's a couple charts here about about love and like and the how much you love running parallel uh, or a pie chart about loving running um so yeah that's it's a discussion i love that uh i love that idea I, I literally will say you're full of shit and then we'll move on to the discussion of love versus like um in those in those public speaking things um if it's appropriate if it's a you know if it's, it's if it's okay that i use four-letter words in the in the in the in the, in the talk yeah so, you know,
0: four, four letter words like like and love and hate <laughs> and yeah. shit. Yeah. Oh, that one. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So there aren't that many words in the book. So I probably just read like 2% of the book or something like that. So it's only, I think it's only like 12,000 words, like I said. So, um,
0: well, if people are interested in reading the other 98% of the words, when does this book come out and where can people find it? Um, uh, it comes out March
1: 16th and basically if you Google, I hate running book, it'll pop up. Um, people, you know, of course they're going to buy books wherever they want to buy books. Uh, oftentimes Amazon, um, local bookstores. Great. Uh, people sometimes will ask like, where's the best place to buy this book for you? And, um, it's, it does make a slight difference. Um, Very, very slight. But I always say buy it at the bookstore you would like least to close. Um, So I think about that. And also um, there's a website called bookshop.org that um, a lot of people are going to now. And it's a fantastic thing because they literally, as I understand the business model, they basically just ship books from the same warehouse that all bookstores buy books from. Uh, except Amazon, and then, but you can pick your local bookstore and say, "Oh, I want you know my ten percent of my purchase to go to my local bookstore, or whatever that is." Yeah what's uh, what's the bookstore in Crested Butte? Arvin Arvin's bookstore
0: is oh yeah, Townie Books.
1: Yeah, yep. So you can go to, I believe you can go to Bookshop and say, "I want my my purchase to go towards Townie Books." and bookshop donates 10% of the or gives 10% of the money to townie books. It's this is is fantastic thing that helps bookstores keep open. But if that's if any of that is an obstacle to you buying the book, just buy the book wherever you need to get it. I mean, you can get it at Walmart, I'm pretty sure, or Target. So, um yeah, it's it's out there and I will be it's you can pre-order it anywhere. Until March sixteenth, and it'll ship then or um, after March sixteenth. I think I will be trying to sell some signed copies on my website, um, which will be a little bit more expensive and slower to ship than anywhere else. Um, but <laughs> I'll get that going. Get that going later. So yeah, but it's funny they the publicist said told me like you know a lot of people will just say buy it wherever books are sold but people will actually ask where are books sold and I'm like oh yeah that's interesting yeah so yeah and it's uh it's an ebook as well so it's on like Kindle and, and other other ebook things um I still haven't seen how it looks in black and white but I am sure someone smarter than me thought of that um, when when they were putting this together so um it should be it should be cool I can't wait to see it on, on Kindle too um, and I think that actually comes out like March 2nd. So if you order the ebook, it's two weeks, um, two weeks earlier than, than the actual book.
0: Well, hey man, it's a really cool, fun book. I should say it's a really cool, I should say it's another really cool and fun book. So I think I speak for a lot of us when I say I'm grateful that you keep swinging at that pinata. We all seem to be the beneficiaries of your, of your swinging I don't know that I need to tell you to keep up the good work because I think even if I don't tell you that, you're probably going to at least, you know, keep up the work. Uh, (laughs) Seems like a thing I know about you at this point. Um, But this is another cool addition in your collection and uh, excited for people to check it out.
1: Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah. I mean, keep up the work and some of it will be good, I guess, maybe is what you want to (laughs) say.
0: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah keep up the work and sometimes some candy will fall to the ground. (laughs) Right. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Hopefully this is a case of the pinata blowing up and, you know, candy going everywhere. Candy everywhere.
0: Candy for days. Absolutely. Um, Hey man, thanks. Thanks for the fun conversation. Uh, And uh, yeah, uh, thanks for the book. And uh, hey, everybody go get that book. And uh, on that note, We'll talk to you, the listeners, real soon. And Brendan, um, I'll be talking to you, I'm sure, on this podcast again real soon. Nice job, you know, wearing the guest hat today. You did good. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, yeah, it was tough. Thank you. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon, man. All right. Well, that's it for this edition of Off the Couch. Thanks to Brendan for the conversation and for the great new book. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, Colorado, please be safe. Please take good care of yourself and everybody else. Please keep moving forward. And we will talk to you again next week.